Hello, everyone. I'm your host, Anika Zubair, and welcome back to the next episode of the Customer Success Channel podcast, brought to you by PlanHat, the modern customer platform. This podcast is created for anyone working in or interested in the customer success field. On this podcast, we will speak to leaders in the industry about their experiences and their definitions of customer success and get their advice and best practices on how to run a CS organization. Today, we are speaking to Jeff Heckler all about how to scale customer success teams and CS models. Jeff is no stranger to hypergrowth. He is currently the global head of customer success at Pipedrive, a CRM SaaS company that has experienced extreme growth in the last year. He has been a senior customer success leader with over 20 years of leading customer success professional services and customer-facing revenue teams, and today he will share with us on how you can start and scale a CS team by hiring the right people, but also how to evolve and mature your CS function and model in order to adjust to a fast-growing customer base. How do you manage to keep up with rocket ship growth and make sure you have a team and process around to help scale effectively? This, along with capacity planning for customer success, is what we will be speaking to Jeff about today. Welcome, Jeff, to the podcast. Before we get into today's topic, could you please tell our listeners a little bit more about yourself? How did you get started in CS and what are you doing now at Pipedrive? Sure, that's a, quite a list, but I'll try to work through it. First of all, Annika, thank you so much for having me. I really love talking shop with pros like yourself, things that I'm most passionate about in my professional life, so thank you. In my current role, I am the Global Head of Customer Success at Pipedrive. And we are a CRM currently being used around uh, 179 countries. We have 100,000 customers, unique accounts. We have 700,000 subscribers. We have uh, about 100, actually over $150 million in revenues uh, that we've actually grew by 50 million in just the past 12 months. How I got into customer success? Well, like most of us, it was completely by accident. And a little bit out of necessity. So I, much like how I got in software over 20 years ago, I built an application for this out of necessity, and that got me into coding. Uh, I then uh, soon thereafter that got into the world of business intelligence, which consumed me and, and fed my passion for all things tech for a long time. And this is actually uh, Pipedrive is my first non-business intelligence ecosystem. And so I was about the first 10, uh, 11 years of my professional life. I was in business intelligence uh, software only, and, and I did professional services for the most part and always customer facing. So I've always owned contracts or deliverables or even product. And even in the product positions, it was customer facing as far as I see it and how I built a, as an empathetic professional myself. So, and then uh, customer success came around. I actually took an uh, opportunity with Accenture, the end client of Stanford hospitals and clinics. I got in there uh, to do some BI stuff, and then I uh, moved over to an, another company. Along the way, I noticed that in all of my, you would call professional services or consultative life, we were always doing a really great job at providing the technology and the processes in large part for our customers and, and even some of the people that could help build along. But we weren't doing the full 360. So we weren't thinking of the customer. Um, and here's the term that really kicked it off for me in my head. Uh, in a very key meeting I had about 2012 or 13 in San Francisco was customers for life. 
And when I heard about a CFL or C4L program, I just went bonkers. Uh, made total and complete sense to me. I come from a teaching and, and coaching background initially before I got into software. And so it really just all kind of made sense. Why don't we provide a solution, provide the process for other people, and then stay and help and build value and build relationships and get out of this vendor customer relationship and really build a partnership. And as well, I left a, a Accenture and I, I did a start my second very small startup, just a couple of us. And that's where it really launched into, wow, we can learn so much about product and really find our ISP and our product market fit and build a roadmap with our most dear customers, which is all of them, and really find a way forward and then start to build feedback loops in large organizations like I have here at Pipedrive with, for referenceable marketing program for customers and for sales. And that's actually both. I didn't miss for both customers and sales so that customers continue to build with relationship with customers like them in the same ecosystem. We have a bunch of digital programs around that. And then I guess the, the other part was uh, feedback loops for product. I think I might have mentioned that. And then how we lower uh, CAC for marketing and how we increase the quality and lower the volume for support issues and, and all those things in between. So it's a real, as I explained to my mother and to my friends, I live in the Penn Station uh, of my company. Uh, and my customer, I can see everybody coming and going. Uh, and it's just a great vibe, a great energy. Everything's different uh, every day. And I get to build teams along the way. So selfishly, it's like customer success was built for me. But I just hope that I can contribute something to the community and the profession. And that's where I am. Wow, what a background and so many different things that you just touched on there, which I'm, I'm going to bring up later. But I love how you've come from, like you said, teaching background to coding to always being customer facing as well, um, which is a big part of obviously everything that we do in customer success every day. And it seems like we naturally end up in the customer success world when we have those sorts of backgrounds, like you mentioned, and everyone kind of by accident stumbles into customer success, which is both exciting and also brings you across a lot of different types of people. And it sounds really cool that you came from a very different background into customer success. You also mentioned that you started in business intelligence, but now you're at a CRM platform, which is a very different, very exciting, different world. But you also have come from a corporate world into the more startup, scale up tech scene. Can you maybe speak to a little bit of the differences between those two worlds? Sure. Um, and I can talk about what, you know the challenges that attracted me as well. Um, and if you'd like to loop back to how you hire and, and build a team, I, I just throw this number out. 21 of my past uh, 22 hires as of February of early this year had no CS background. So it's about the people, the growth mindset and their character and your culture. But back to your original question here, um, I, I was lucky I, uh, when I left uh, education and tra training, I went into a company called SAIC. And, and at the time, they're probably one of the, the U.S. government's largest subcontractors. So I learned a lot about infrastructure and process very quickly there. I, I went to MicroStrategy and, and learned about hyper growth uh, there and then uh, business objects, which is also, of course, uh, in the business intelligence realm now uh, with SAP. So I, that was my first large acquisition um, that I had, had experience with. And so that gave me a, a flavor for what the long game looks like. And I, I was part of another acquisition um, in, my, in my past as well to another large organization. And so when I looked at Pipedrive and knowing what I know about customer success, which is at that point, uh, you know, 18 months ago when I came here, was I will always be in customer success. I could do customer success. I have friends that are customer success for higher education and helping individuals not navigate the MBA program. I have friends in, that are work as client success or, or other roles similar that aren't in SaaS. 
And so customer success has really just expanded and it's all about the customer and all about building that, that relationship for life. And, and so w- when I looked at Pipedrive from the outside, I knew what the long game was and, and that was, or at least the mid range game, which was um, an exit. And so I've been a part of those and those are exciting to build towards. And I, uh, it takes a, a little bit of perseverance and, you know, some, I guess a, a different kind of stomach <laughs> to go through some of those changes. So um, but it's exciting. That sounds awesome. And I think that we're going to get in probably more into detail about Pipedrive's journey and the you know 100K customers that you mentioned and the 130 plus million in revenue that you're also dealing with. But before we jump into that, you've you come with so much CS leadership background and lots of uh, customer success direct facing roles as a CS leader for any of our listeners out there that are aspiring to be a CS leader or in the CS space. What has been one of your biggest learnings so far that you've uh, been able to yeah, learn from? That that the the goal for leadership actually comes in reverse. Um, I think it's a, it's a product of being with the right people, having the right mindset and, and being successful in the things that build to that. And it's one of those things that you you, we all aspire and have aspirations and uh, to go towards things, but I, you know, I think it's because you you have to get to the point where you know what you're enjoying and what what your what your strengths are. So I would I would say that's the first one. The second, but if you want to get real actionable, get a seat, find your CSO that CFO's office and put it in that office. And if you can't get in that office, put it outside the office and wait and knock every thirty minutes. Uh, it's really about numbers and metrics, and not simply because I come from a, a BI background. But my method to consensus building and collaboration, which is what is at, largely at the heart of CS, is about leading with data, but rounding it out with storytelling. And so data is, as long as there's integrity behind it, will always prove out the case. And the storytelling gives the, the actionable uh, vision into where you're going with it, where it's been, where it is now, and where it's going. And so in data analysts and, and your own ability to be a guru with Excel and, and some of the, the, the more dangerous BI tools in space. You don't have to be an analyst and you don't have to be a practitioner, but to be able to know how to ask the questions and where to look for the answers is key to being successful. Yeah, I totally agree. And I think that we're in the space nowadays where data is so valuable, but what you're doing with that data and how you're telling the appropriate story, like you said, is super key to being a great customer success manager and also a customer success leader as well. I think Data is the key to unlock exactly how your customers are possibly using your product, what they're doing with it, how they're possibly going to grow with the usage of your product, and and so on and so forth. So I totally agree with that. And I think that the storytelling is super key for any customer success practitioner, whether you're telling a story internally to your CFO to justify another hire, for example, or you're telling the story externally to you know, your customer really justifying product usage metrics or, you know, an upsell or the ROI your product's bringing back to your that company. It's so important to use those data points as well. So couldn't agree more. Thanks for sharing that, Jeff. Really appreciate it. Um, I want to jump in a little bit to our topic today, which is scaling CS teams and CS models. I know you guys have experienced extreme growth at Pipedrive that you just mentioned earlier. And you also mentioned that you guys were playing catch up in the CS game. So a lot of your growth has been in the last 12 months in customer success. So for people listening today um, that are maybe in the same shoes or 
possibly hoping to be in the same shoes. What are the first things that you tackled as a CS leader when you were playing catch up here with the growth you guys experienced? Uh, it was about opportunity, um, opportunity to serve both the company and the customers. So looking for places that you can have an impact that are uh, either not being served or are terribly underserved. And so that was the first thing to look at. Um, the second thing was to look at to maximize and optimize what we had uh, already here, which was quite a lot. There was uh, a lot of work was done in a short amount of time. So you alluded to one point, Pipedrive has been around for 10 years, but the customer success really came around year seven. So there were over 80,000 customers here, with a very different CS model, which I know we'll discuss as well. And then there was so much opportunity to serve the customer, to really build out a responsible uh, set of motions and groups, uh, teams to, to help those customers. And so that was part of it. Uh, oh, and the other thing, if you're listening out there and, and you don't already, uh, CS ops that, I mean, I just get very actionable about that. Uh, they say, when should you start CS ops? And a lot of people in a forum will say you'll get an average around six to eight or somewhere around there. Uh, and I would say zero to one without operations, you can't scale. It's simple as that. We can go into all the beauty that CS ops does for us. And if we were on video, you'd see that I've been drinking out of an iHeart CS ops mug right now. And so that was the, the other key component to, to really getting uh, an established foundation for that next evolution of growth. Yeah, CS Ops is super key as a hire as well. And I think it's the hottest job in customer success right now because all that data we were talking about early needs to be dissected. It needs to be put into the right place to be used. And yeah, it's a real key hire, I think, right now that I've been hearing a lot amongst other CS leaders as well. But I want to touch upon capacity planning because you just mentioned that everything you guys have done in customer success has been over the last three years, even though the business has been building for a decade, which is a lot to take on as any customer success practitioner or leader. So how did you actually go about capacity planning to scale CS and build CS models? So the first was to look at this, the CS team. So the first team and the only team that was here when I got here was the classic customer success management model, uh, one to many, uh, the accounts they hold. And then that's where it's very important to get collaborative with your organization. So getting with marketing, sales, uh, executives, what are we looking at for growth? What's our projected growth from the last annual plan? And really pacing out what those numbers are going to look like for the top of the funnel. And then what the conversions are, taking an effect that the conversion rates will probably increase as you add more technology and more fuel to, to a scaling organization, and then boiling all that back to what the account sizes look like, what are the uh, current CSM teams able to, to handle, and then extrapolating out their, your, your current headcount and then building in what your management levels need to be from there, um, looking at how much uh, volume and accounts, revenues, and headcount you want to have at different levels within your team. So that's, that's the, the easy first win. After that, actually, uh, at the same time, you're looking at ops and uh, how much? How deep is your tech stack? What does your CS platform look like if you have one? What are the other tools that are either coming online or other initiatives that you know the company's working on that will bring additional platforms that you'll need to either be engaged with and or support uh, either as a partnership with other teams and stakeholders or independently? Uh, and then seeing what that team looks like. You have to look at product. If you're a hyper growth organization, your product will probably develop and change quite a bit. So what are the training needs are also going to be fit into both your team if you own it or at a corporate level, that training is owned and what kind of bandwidth you need to work into your, your team's schedules so that they can handle that consumption. So those are a few of the quick ones. 
Awesome. Awesome. It sounds like lots of planning and lots of ways of divvying up the work and really making sure that each person handles a different part of, yeah, the customer journey, but also the portfolio. And like you said, also growth and operations, it all it all breaks down into different roles. And I'm curious, before we actually talk a little bit more about that, what does the current team look like at Pipedrive? How do you guys handle so many customers as well as so much revenue? Can you give us an overview of that? Sure, I will. And I'll walk you through a, a brief timeline. So by the spring of last year, we had this the head, initial headcount uh, started and the, the manager to start the CS ops team. That has grown and now we're at six on that team in a number of different roles. Actually, every single person on that team has a different role. There's no duplication or linear growth. So the other the teams that we uh, also established after the, the ops team, there's a team that we established last summer called the growth team. And the growth team is comprised of customer success specialists and uh, a manager on that team. Their skills are maximized and utilized for is expansion of accounts, uh, education of accounts, and escalations of accounts. So these are non-named accounts. Uh, so accounts that don't have a customer success manager and that growth team works with those non-named accounts on a pooled basis. So it's a pooled model CSM and based upon profiling, timing, right message, right time to the right customer, they'll engage with uh, personally with the, the customers. And then we have a lot of support mechanisms behind that as well in regards to digital enablement and digital channels, which also help to support our customers. And then March 15th of this year, we announced um, a new team called the engagement team. And the engagement team is a team of customer success representatives, another CSM, uh, I'm sorry, uh, CS pooled resource team. And they work with customers on a number of other issues such as uh, manual billing, administrative issues, some contract or billing negotiations that need to go on. And so that's a, a really strong team for us as well now. So there's four teams that live and exist within customer success today. We also had uh, another team of uh, professional services or technical account managers inside of the named accounts team as well. Wow, so many different teams. Sounds like you guys definitely divide and conquer the customer base. I'm curious because like you mentioned the growth team, the engagement team. It seems like you guys follow a pretty high touch model, especially since you have professional services mixed in there as well. But I'm curious with as many customers as you guys do have, do you have some sort of hybrid model, a tech touch, a high touch? What sort of CS model are you guys following with all those different teams? We have all of the above. And so here, here's something I think is key. For the customer, the customer's experience should always be high touch, high value, high touch, and dedicated to their outcomes and personalized at scale. So that should be the experience from the customer standpoint. Internally to us, we have the named accounts team. So those are the customer success managers. Within their portfolios, they have three different segments of customers that receive different uh, cadences and different motions, uh, EBRs, QBRs, et cetera, based upon their profile. Then our two pooled teams of CS, uh, CS resources, which are the customer success representatives of the growth team and the customer success specialists of the engagement team, they have a pooled model, so they don't have a dedicated relationship to an account for any particular set of time. It's to work with that customer uh, to the next endpoint or outcome that they're, they're being driven to. So if they're looking at an expansion and they want to uh, close the consumption gap to what, you know, what the feature function and value will be for that proposition, then they'll work with that customer until we've closed the decision on that. And so, again, to, about, to the customer, we also want to give them material in all sorts of channels because uh, as an educator, I know that people learn and consume information in a 
million different ways, each one of us set differently. So we give those to the people in terms of video, webinars, uh, textual reading in a knowledge base. We have the 24 by 7 support chat as well as phone-enabled chat for some customers. We have a community. We have a separate developers community. Within our online community, we also have segmented for customers in that in that ecosystem as well. So we really want to do personalization at scale and real touch, real value at every t- touch point. Wow. I love a few of those things that you just said, and I just took some notes down, but I totally agree about the fact that no matter if you're serving a high touch, tech touch, hybrid, whatever touch you want to call it, your customer wants to have an amazing experience with your product and how they get it doesn't really matter as long as you're driving those outcomes, like you said, and it could be one CSM, it could be your growth CSM or your engagement CSM or professional services. It doesn't matter. It just means a personalized journey for them and really making sure that their outcomes are being reached, which is uh, true to any segment of customers. But you guys do have a lot of them. And I'm curious, how did you actually start to segment out the ownership of each of those CS teams, as well as what type of customer they would serve? Sure. To start off, the precedent had already been set that a certain profile customer would receive a a one-to-one relationship with an account manager uh, or a customer success manager. So the customer success manager has a, a portfolio of accounts, and those customers pretty much already predefined on, on what that profile looks like. As we moved into the pooled CS models and really make a journey for every customer involved, I have to, to share the gratitude and ownership and work and progress with everybody uh, on the go-to-market uh, teams. So that was support, that's engineer, um, I'm sorry, support, marketing, and, and even partners so that we have unified presence to all customers. So it really starts with the customer journey from the moment that they do a search on a CRM and come in to learn and, and educate about Pipedrive. They go to trial, trial to pay, pay uh, that paying conversion then comes into customer success. We have to build emotions that and a journey very detailed, uh, painstakingly uh, to help support the customer. Think like a customer interviewing customers, surveying customers and building out all those touch points. And then from there, we built out the different opportunities to help support those customers and, and bring the value and drive to their outcomes. So we have the other teams that have playbooks uh, based upon the, the next use case and the life cycle that a customer has with us. And then we run uh, some of our own uh, marketing internal to customer success with product marketing involved. And so we'll look at what kind of customers we want to profile, what they're going through analytics. We can see what the customer profiles look like and what cohorts um, based on tenure or spend or plan or the actions they're performing uh, in the tool. Uh, we can build out larger programs for thousands to tens of thousands of customers to supplement them with either uh, a digital channel experience or to give them a special uh, one-on-one either email engagement or a personal engagement, an opportunity to schedule with us to discuss some of their upcoming needs. Awesome. And I think that all sounds really good. And in theory, when you start slicing and dicing all the customer base and who they're going to be assigned to and who their customer success manager is and what's their journey going to look like, it all it always good in theory. But I know that in reality, sometimes a customer, when they're given a certain customer success manager or they're you know told that you're going to go through this model and follow this flow, um, sometimes they obviously get uh, a bit a friction when, for example, they move from one customer success manager to the next, or maybe they were high touch, but your business has grown so much that suddenly they're no longer that real high touch customer anymore, but maybe they've moved into another model. How do you guys deal with um, customer expectation when they are moving from 
one type of customer pool team to the next. Sure, absolutely. And that's that comes with setting expectations. So one of the very useful things is we've set uh, messaging upon renewal that the terms of, of the engagement is subject to change based upon the current spend. So when they renew, if we have a new motion or a new group that we want to introduce um, in any fashion with customer success, then we can message them at the, upon the time of renewal that uh, their level of experience is going to stay uh, the same as it has been from their previous renewals unless something changes to their, their account. Any manner that can, that can change the nature of the relationship. All of our customer success services are pro bono with the software. So with the software, there is no um, expectation of customer success management relationships, touch points, et cetera. They all come as, a, as an add-on and a value add. You know, of course, that, that would be something we can, we're, we're looking to evolve over time. So paid services for, for customer success at different, for different reasons, different levels and, and different values. But that's uh, how we handle the, the messaging up front. Oh, we could totally get into paid for customer success into a whole nother podcast, Jeff. Don't get me started on that. Well, we could do another one. So. We could, we could, because that's another very controversial topic that I think a lot of uh, CS teams and leaders struggle with, especially with uh, should customer success be cost of goods sold or an add-on service. But let's not get into that. But I do want to bring in another controversial topic because you mentioned a lot of customers and mostly their long tail customers or digital led or tech touch. How does marketing help you guys with that? Because I know marketing usually doesn't sit or work with CS that often. How is that working at, at Pipedrive right now? Your, your question could not be more timely. So I will uh, jump in the controversial pool with you. So they, they work very well for, uh, and I'm grateful for the team. And I think it's been a, a wonderful partnership. We've learned a lot as we've gone to the pooled model and how to market to this uh, type and volume of customer that's already pre-existing and uh, they have as well. So it's been fantastic. I will say that, I guess last year I called 2021 the, the year of CS Ops. I've already, months ago, I posted on, on, to LinkedIn that, uh, 2022 will be the year of customer success marketing owned by, operated, run, and funded by customer success. And so I'm going to be very bullish about that. And so I have worked with my management and my COO, uh, Michael, who uh, is fully supportive of all the, all the things that we'd like to do once we, you know, we can show proper justification, of course. And so what I did with marketing is uh, consulted them on, the, on a headcount that could be highly advantageous for the company. Uh, it will sit in marketing. And I'm happy to do that, happy to supply uh, everything I can for the company, because after all, that's uh, you know I, my allegiance to the customer in the company. As long as we all produce, it doesn't matter to me what my title is or, or what our, our team uh, doesn't operate as, as long as we uh, provide value to everyone. And so uh, we build a headcount and put it in marketing, and that person will have uh, 80% of the, the resource uh, and time spent with us, which is fantastic. Marketing will learn a ton, we'll learn a ton, we won't have to duplicate a lot of effort. Uh, because we'll be able to match uh, you know, the semantics and, and all the materials that, and collateral that go along with that and use all of their relationships and know-how to the maximum ability of the customer and the company. That's the present version. Uh, and again, I, I, I will say customer marketing owned and operated by CS is the next deal. <laughs> Oh, that's such a bold claim, and I love it because it is. <laughs> it, it's probably coming. To be completely honest, I think customer success is evolving, and customer success teams are scaling much like what you guys have experienced at PipeDrive as well. And the only way to scale is really to make sure you stay on top of customer communications, engagement, and making sure you really 
yeah, work closely with marketing because CS usually works very closely with probably product and sales a lot. It's probably well-known, accepted, but should there be continual marketing involved in CS, especially with digital-first customer success? Where do you see that fitting in? So digital-first, I, you know, I, it's going to be, I mean, that's how it happens today, right? You get a customer, you send them an email, or they log into your system and they get an in-app message or something like that. So we're already there. Digitally supported, digitally enabled, digitally engaged, or even digital CS, whatever, however you want to call it. As long as it's driving value to scale for your customers, let's go with it. Uh, if, it if it means you have to skywrite with an airplane, then let's do that. So whatever it's, whatever it's going to be to meet the end to the customer, but it, obviously to scale for all the right reasons, do it effectively, efficiently, be there uh, at the customer. You know, and now it comes to mind uh, one of the earlier questions is how do you migrate a customer through their journey? and be more self-supported as we have customers that graduate from their customer success relationship. Like we run a fast track implementation. After that point in time, they've graduated into uh, the support mechanisms, which are there for them to use at their, based upon their need, their interest, uh, their time. And so we have all the digital channels there on the ready 24 by seven, of course. So it's also a better experience for a lot of customers, maybe more than when we like to admit, because we're pretty proud of, uh, of our people on our team, but there's also all the people that create um, all the digital experience as well. Yeah. And I totally think marketing plays a big role into that. And I'm really curious to see if uh, your prediction is right, Jeff, in 2022, where we have customer marketing within or at least a dotted line to the customer success org. Yeah. So what I was going to say is that we, we do this again in nine months, uh, play this clip part back. And then uh, if my data and my storytelling and and the testing works, and proves out and I'm able to build consensus internally with execs, then then we'll have it installed. Awesome. Already booking the next podcast now, Jeff, but we could keep going on and on, but I do want to wrap up today with our quick fire questions. So I'm going to challenge you to answer these next few questions with uh, one sentence or less. And I realize that the next question you probably already answered, but I'm going to ask it anyways, which is what do you think is next for the CS industry? Um, it's kind of starting in, in dibs and drabs. Um, there's a company called Landbot who already has this, but the CS owner as founder and or board member and or executive. So I'll give a shout out to, to my friend Chris, who, who's doing that for his team in Europe uh, and his company in Europe. So it's, a, it's customer success. We, we've seen CCO and, and that it will be more of the rest of uh, your team through evangelism and your, the rest of your company understanding the value, the importance, the uh, reason to be, the overarching uh, value and responsibility for a company and customer that customer success can bring. Um, and so that's if you put support in there or not, or if you have a sales motion that works in there uh, for, you know, for, for net new customers, it can be inclusive of, of so many things. And I think we're just scratching the surface of how vital customer success can be. And if, if done correctly, it's a, a flywheel for any organization. That was way more than one sentence, I apologize. It's all right. It's all right. I think I I think I uh, asked pretty big questions for just one res one sentence response, but maybe the next one you can do in one sentence. So, what sort of tool set does your CS team currently use? Fifteen everything, but I will say what they have gotten the most personal enjoyment out of: ease to use or or self serve BI. So we have three different BI tools they use marvelously, and the best dashboard ideas we get come from them. Yep. 
Yep. I definitely think there's going to be a space with BI tools in success teams because I've heard it so many times, which is interesting because you've come from a BI background and my previous company was also BI. So it's just, uh, I think there's a lot of space for a business intelligence tool within, yeah, most businesses, but especially within customer success. So, Well, if you look at the vendors that are coming out and some of the, the new smaller companies that are very nimble and agile that I love talking to, then you will see that's how the, the market's also responding. Totally agree. And next question is, what sort of compensations should a customer success manager get? Should it be a base salary or should it be a base salary plus a commission or, and or a bonus? It matters to what your end game is, what your product is, what your market is, what your team is set up to do, to be commercial facing. And if so, how much, what does that comp look like? Uh, heavy base uh, accelerators and everything in between? Or is that done by you know renewals and upsells handled by a strict account management team? And so it's about the customer experience, right? And this boils down to two very easy viewpoints. The customer looks at customer success manager as one-stop shop. That's my only, uh, so that's the upside, right? One-stop shop, customer success. Or they see it as customer success, who's also, I know, being incentive for growth. Or you look at the other way, I've got four different people that are going to serve all my needs as an account, but then I've got all these different touch points and there could be disjunctive messaging and, and conversations. So there you have it. Awesome. That's it. I totally agree that it's totally different depending on what type of product and market you're serving. And if your customer success manager is just an educator or they are also doing other parts of the, the customer success function, like you mentioned with your different teams. So it totally depends. I agree. And my last question for today is what is your favorite part of customer success or being a customer success manager? Absolutely. People 100%. Back in the day, uh, it started with being able to see the eyes open up and the worry um, drift away from my customers when we were able to help succeed, solve their problems. Uh, today, it's for my team to watch them grow, to be a part of their journey, uh, particularly a number of them who are um, new to CS or, or new even to a, you know straight out of college, um, be a part of their growth. I tell them every week, if not every day, I like them as pipe drivers. I love them as people and professionals. And so I want, you know, I've had the luck of being here now, 47 years old. Some people that I hired over 20 years ago, you know, I've had the joy of being through all of life's events with them. And I want the same in the next 15, 15 and 20 years. And I tell them that it's pretty simple. It's got to be fun and it's got to be passionate. Awesome. I think people is a great answer. And I think in general, customer success professionals always have a natural knack to be people persons because they're working with people all day. So totally agree that some of the best people in the world are customer success managers. And uh, yeah, I think that that brings us to the end of today's talk. But if people want to continue the conversation with you or if they have any follow-up questions, where's the best place to find you, Jeff? Uh, LinkedIn, pretty simple. And, and from there, we'll, we'll march together. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Chef, for your time today. Really appreciate it. And I can't wait for our follow-up conversations. Absolutely. We'll prove out the theories, right? Yep, definitely. I think there are theories for future podcasts. Annika, thank you so much. This is always the some of the best parts of my day. So thank you. Thank you for listening to the Customer Success Channel podcast today. We hope you learned something new to take back to your team and your company. If you found value in our podcast, please make sure to give us a positive review and make sure you subscribe to our channel as we release new podcasts every month. Also, if you have any topics that you would like me to discuss in the future, or you would like to be a guest on the podcast, please feel free to reach out. All my contact details are in the show notes. Thanks again for listening and tune in next time for more on customer success.